A lot of my current listeners may have missed this previous episode with guest Tanya Dalton. And even if you did hear the original, it's a great one to re-listen to as you discover the joy of missing out in your own life. This episode is full of reminders for how we can gracefully say no and to use it as a full sentence, quick tips to establish more JOMO in our day-to-day, and so much more. So enjoy this replay of The Joy of Missing Out, my interview with Tanya Dalton that originally aired on August 22nd, 2019. And join me back here tomorrow for an episode that you don't want to miss. Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of two living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. This week, I speak with author Tanya Dalton, Tanya Dalton is a productivity expert, writer, speaker, and founder of Inkwell Press Productivity Co., a company created around productivity tools and training. Her first book, The Joy of Missing Out, will release on October 1st. In her highly anticipated book, Dalton inspires women to reject the pressure to do more, be more, and achieve more. She shows them how to focus on what's important to them and then helps them develop their own unique productivity systems. Today, we will speak to the themes in her book and discuss why it's so important for each of us to discover JOMO, the joy of missing out, for ourselves. Before we get to the episode, I wanted to remind you to head over to iTunes if you haven't yet left a rating and review. I wanted to share a review from Emily at Perfection Isn't Happy. She says, great resource for moms. Although I don't consider myself a true minimalist, I love getting ideas on how to simplify my life and make motherhood a little less stressful. The podcast recently inspired me to clean up my basement and let go of things that I otherwise would have kept storing. It's nice to have a clean basement, and I was even able to get my husband on board. I'm really glad that you were able to clean up your basement, Emily. I know sometimes those spaces in our home that we aren't regularly seeing can sometimes build up with clutter, and I think that's why the attic and the basement can become so cluttered. But I'm glad that you were able to get your husband on board and get some of that stuff out of there that was just causing overwhelm. Now for the interview with Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to dive into some of the topics of your new book, The Joy of Missing Out, Live More by Doing Less. But before we get into our conversation, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself to the listeners of the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you so much. Yes, because I am a mother myself. I have two kids, Jack and Kate. And I have a husband, John, who works alongside of me. So my husband is my CMO. I'm the CEO. So I like to say that we are together 26 hours a day. (laughs) We literally work across the desk from one another. Um, So my business, Inkwell Press, truly is a family business in that um, we all take part in it. And we've all been a, a part of that growth together. So it's been really fun and exciting for me. So that's one of the things that I love about um, what I talk about is that I really have been all kinds of moms. I've been a stay-at-home mom. I've been a work-at-home mom. I've been a full-time working mom. So my perspective on motherhood is very unique and different in that I've seen it from many different angles. I started my first business when my kids were really little playing at my feet thinking it would be a side business. I would start it, you know, just as something to do. My husband was traveling the world working for a Fortune 500 company, and he'd be gone for three or four weeks at a time. And so I thought it would be good to have something else that I was doing other than motherhood uh, to keep me, you know, sane, (laughs) keep my sense of humor about me. So uh, I started that business, 
And I realized when my husband was away on one of his business trips that he felt like he was missing a lot of the milestones and the moments with our children. So I literally hung up the phone, stood in my kitchen and made a decision that changed the rest of my life. Uh, I made the decision that I was going to grow my business that I'd started with $50, where I was selling to friends or maybe friends of friends. And I was going to grow that to the point where I could have him come and work alongside of me Hmm. because I really wanted to have a lifestyle for our family where he was more able to be hands-on and be home since that's what he wanted. And within a year, I was able to make that dream come true. And as I mentioned, we still work across the desk from one another, and it's just been an amazing experience for us. Do you two have similar personalities or are you able to balance that well? I would assume that you were able to balance that well at this point. We have. It takes some navigating, you know, just like just like anything in marriage. There's, you know, it's not all sunshine and lollipops all the time. Right. Um, And there's ebb and flow and there's, you know, um, there's lots of grace we have to give each other. So we've had to navigate to what that looks like because we work together Um, and we are we're very different. Actually, I'm an extrovert. He's an introvert. We have different strengths and different weaknesses, and they play really well together. So part of what we've had to do is really learn how to communicate and talk to one another and talk to each other in different ways. Sometimes we're talking to each other in a business sense. And then other times I have to say, okay, you have to take your business hat off right now and just be my husband. I just need you to listen to me as my husband and kind of shift gears. And so that's taken some, some getting used to, but for us, it really does work. There is a lot of, um, there is a lot of that harmony that we're looking for in our relationship that comes out at work as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's so wonderful that you were able to take that leap and honestly just have so much trust that, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess you, you just did take a risk in allowing him to step out of his position and pursuing this and it ended up working out in your favor. So I just think that's really wonderful that it did. Thank you. It does help that, um, that really he is supportive. Also, he was supportive of me taking on this dream and this goal. Uh, I think he was really excited about the idea of not working in corporate America. So that, that certainly did help. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think really, touching on that idea of communication, that really does make a difference in bringing people in. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times as women, we tend to believe that we have to do it all. We have to hold everybody else up. And when you allow other people in to support you and encourage you and, and maybe even foster that dream or goal of yours, oftentimes you'll be surprised at how receptive people are and how excited they are to have the opportunity to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that um, with in regards to being bold, I kind of stepped out of my own comfort zone just about a month ago, and I pursued someone that is at a local magazine here in Columbus, Ohio. And I was just like, what do I have to lose? Like the worst thing that she could say is no. And I was right. actually able to interview with her for the magazine. And I just never would have thought that would happen just mm-hmm. as I'm slowly building this podcast. And I think that just sometimes we do have to pursue boldness in certain areas, even when we aren't super confident. Like I think just taking yes. that leap is huge. So absolutely, absolutely. And congratulations on that. Thanks. Because it, it is it is scary. It's a little bit, you know, gosh, scary isn't even a big enough word for it, but how you feel when you step out of your comfort zone. It's called a comfort zone for a reason because it feels so comfortable that, you know, you don't want to get out of it. But when we stretch ourselves out of our comfort zone, when we when we step outside of the the confines of what we know, that's really when we begin to grow. And that's really too 
when we can flourish and get closer to what I call your North Star, to the to the ideal life you're looking for, that does take some discomfort because it means changing what mm-hmm. you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things I like to tell women is the ideal day that you dream about is absolutely possible, but it takes some work to get there. It's not just a magic button that you can press and all of a sudden, poof, there you are, mm-hmm. you know, with this, this ideal day. Uh, and and it, it is something that takes a little bit of risk for time to time. You have to, you know, when you tell people, no, there's a little bit of risk that they, they might get their feelings hurt. But at the same time, there's the risk that if you say yes to everything, you're saying no to a lot of things that are really more important to you. Time with your family, your own priorities, your passion project. And so it really is a matter of reframing how we look at our choices mm-hmm. to really make that life happen. And taking risks is a part of that. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And I definitely want to dive into the idea of discovering your North Star here in a second. But before we get mm-hmm. into the joy of missing out, I just wanted to ask you, do you personally consider yourself a minimalist? I do. I do in, in many ways, because I really believe that when we cut through a lot of the clutter and the noise, not just in our homes, but in our everyday lives with all the requests for our time and the obligations and everything else, when you really minimalize and that means focusing on what is most important to you. That's truly when you begin to feel a lot more happiness and a lot more successful. Mm-hmm. I think that in the pursuit of doing it all, we we oftentimes run around busy all day long, checking a million things off our to-do list, but we fall into bed at night and we think, why didn't I get more done? Even though we were busy all day long. And that's because we're trying to do way too much. We're, we're going in 50 different directions, doing 50 tasks, taking us everywhere and anywhere, instead of just focusing on the minimal, the, the five tasks that are really going to drive you forward to that life you want. You take five steps forward in that same direction, that's when you begin to feel successful. That's when you begin to see that growth happening and you begin to feel better about your days. Yeah, it's really honing in that focus and getting clarity of what is a priority. Absolutely, yes. So you've written a book that is releasing in October, October 1st, which it's a great book. I highly recommend it. I'll put all of the links here in the show notes to connect people to pre-order and to get the chance to read it. But I'm sure people have heard of the phrase, the joy of missing out, but I'm curious mm-hmm. to know how you would define it and how did you discover the joy of missing out in your own life? Yeah, I, I think too, a lot of people feel like, well, is it just mean that you're going to stay at home? And to me, the joy of missing out is more than that. It's I have a definition of it in the book where I talk about it's the emotionally intelligent antidote to busy. It's intentionally choosing to live in the present moment by embracing open spaces of unrushed time. So it really is about allowing that white space in our life of choosing to say no to being busy. I like to say it's, it's similar to an unhurried purpose. It's about being priority-centered or to be more intentional. So the joy of missing out is the idea that we have so many things in our lives. Opportunity is knocking again and again and again and again, and we feel like we have to answer the door every single time, even when we don't want to. So when you think about that ideal day, when you think about the ideal life, what does that look like? Because I can guarantee there's some amazing things in there, but I can promise you this. There are some things that are missing. That feeling of being stretched too thin, that's missing. Or saying yes out of guilt instead of saying yes because you want to, that's missing, right? The idea of, of doing a thousand things in your day, that's missing too. So that there's a lot of happiness 
nestled in those missing moments of losing out that stress, getting rid of that busyness and leaning into that life you truly want. That to me is the joy of missing out. It's actively choosing what you want to do, having ownership over your day and feeling really good about it, doing it guilt-free because that's one of the other tricks, especially as women, we tend to feel really guilty if we focus on ourselves. And I like to tell people that it's, you know, when you take care of yourself, you can take care of everybody else even better. So it's not an opportunity to be selfish. It's actually an opportunity to be selfless because Many times the things we do to nurture ourselves help everybody else around us. So that is the joy of missing out to me in a nutshell. And for me, you know, I had to, I went through some busy seasons of my life where I felt like I was running around in circles. I share a story in the book of, you know, dropping off my son at the elementary school and then running Kate, my daughter, to preschool and then standing in my kitchen and not sure where I should even turn. You know, should I start with laundry? Do I work on my business site? Do I, do I, you know, work on this volunteer project and turning and turning in circles and feeling so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the word I hear so often from women is that they feel overwhelmed. And I like to tell people that overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. So that was for me, that light bulb moment where I understood, okay, if I know where to start, and I know what to work on next, and I really prioritize my day, I can start to make movement in the direction I really want, and I can really begin to find more happiness. So I started doing that for myself, really actively being intentional about how I structured my day and how I structured my life. You know, And I, I use the word structure there, but it's not about being rigid. It really is about being flexible and allowing life itself to happen. Because as a mom, there's lots of things <laughs> that get thrown into our day that require flexibility. So for me, it really was getting to that realization that being busy was not fulfilling to me. Being busy is, is not a state that really brings happiness. Being productive and really understanding what I want to do each and every day, that's where I felt happiest. And so I came up with a system called the Libwell Method that I walk through in the book and that I've taught thousands of women through my course and they are beginning to find that joy of missing out too, which is to me what's most amazing is starting this movement of women letting go of those chains of busy, of stopping that obligation of feeling like they have to do everything and instead focusing on what matters most. And for most of us, that does mean focusing more on our family. And I, I think that's really important. I like that you do say in your book, you say, when we lose focus on our priorities, we are simply along for the ride, going wherever the day takes us. And mm -hmm. I can really relate to that because I feel like even as I told you before we jumped on the phone call that my husband has had the kids the past few days and I felt busy, but I haven't felt productive and again, I'm pregnant, but I still think that I could have utilized that time better. But as you said, you dropped off one child and then the other, and then you were just kind of left in your kitchen. Like, what do I do next? And how do I organize my day? So as you mentioned here before, you said you dis you find it important to discover your North Star. And that's this guiding beacon that drives our choices. And it's yes. choices both big and small. So for some of us that don't have these businesses to run or aren't our entrepreneurs or work at home moms or working moms, we still have priorities and goals that we need to hit during the day. I'd say like what just made you, what made you establish that metaphor when it is applied to our productivity? Mm -hmm. Well, I think you touched on something really important there, that we all 
have, you know, really very active lives with a lot of things going on, whether you are an entrepreneur or you know, a stay-at-home mom or, or a working mom or all of us have a lot going on. I like to say that stay-at-home moms are the CEO of the home, you know, because truly you are running a business. You're running a nonprofit. You're not getting a paycheck, but that doesn't make it any less work. It's actually a lot of work. I know myself from being a stay-at-home mom. Um, and so I, I feel like a lot of times uh, women who are the CEO of the home, they feel like they undervalue it because they think that they're not really bringing in any income. Income is not tied to your own personal value. What you are doing for your families and what you're doing to really uh, instill morals and values in your children, that is your product that you're really creating. That's what your nonprofit is doing, what your home is creating. So I would really, first of all, encourage people to shift the way they look at, at what they do if that's, you know, if that's your job is to, to be a stay-at-home parent because I think that's a really, really important undervalued job. But um, we all have priorities. We all have things that, that we really want to focus on, whether that's, you know, related to work or personal or our home life. And so to me, this idea of the North Star really is that it, it does guide you and it helps you filter all the decisions you make throughout your day and throughout, throughout your life. I use a North Star for my business and I use a North Star for at home. Mm. So your North Star is essentially made of your mission, your vision, and your core values. So really taking the time to understand what is it you do. And it's not just what you do, it's why you do what you do. So that's your mission statement. And then your vision statement, that tells you where you're going. Where do I want to go in the future? You know, if I am doing this job right now, where do I want to be two years from now? Where do I want to be five years from now? And that gives you an idea of what steps you want to take to get to that, you know, that destination of where you want to be. And then your core values answers the question of how. How do I want to live so that I can live to my, my mission statement and my vision statement. And those all come together and that really helps you to define your purpose, your priorities, and really your passions. And I think that's one of the things that's really most important. That's the very first step in the live well method because everything else is designed around that. Mm. Because productivity oftentimes fails people. Truly it does because they have these really rigid systems and we think we need to work our life around that system. And it doesn't really work for us or the way that we live or our strengths or our weaknesses. And so then we feel like we've somehow failed, that we're not good enough or we're not enough in some way. And instead, I believe it should be you and your priorities at the center. And then we work together to create that system around it. So it's really about customizing your productivity so it works for you because you and your priorities, that should be the center point. Everything else works around that. I really feel like it's important to begin with that discovery phase. Um, and actually, you you touched on uh, a minute ago that the book is available for pre-order. And one of the things I am most excited about with the pre-orders that we're doing is when you pre-order the book, you actually also get access to my Discover Your North Star course, which is a $247 value that you get for buying the book. And I did that very purposely, very intentionally because I was really excited about the idea of people having the book and then having the course to really dive even deeper into what are your purpose, your priorities, and your passions. What are the things that truly are important to you? And so when you pre-order the book, you just go to joyofmissingout.com and you fill out the form, you get that course for free. And it really does allow you to uncover that. And I know for a lot of people, that is a big stumbling block. Who am I? 
what is important to me? We, we lose ourselves sometimes in our roles as mothers, and we think we have to give, 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 and we feel guilty getting. And we lose who we were before we had kids or before you know, tragedy happened or before, before you know, anything happens in our lives. So it really is about let's take a moment and center ourselves and figure out who you are and discover your North Star together. So that's where we really truly begin. No, absolutely. That was actually one of the things I was going to ask you. Thinking about this concept of a North Star, it seems so big and it seems so overarching and mm-hmm. somewhat overwhelming. And it's like, how do I figure that out? What what yes. takes priority in life? What takes priority in my household with my children and with my spouse? So I really love that you're offering that course with the pre-order because I think it helps us to determine what takes priority? Because that's that was my question to you. Like, how do we decide what takes priority? Yeah, and that's one of the things. It, it's it's not a. I can't give you like a blanket statement of this is this is what is a priority for you because a priority for each person is unique and different. So that is what's most exciting about. We talk about it in the book, and we we answer the question of how you can find your mission and your vision, and your core values. The course just goes deeper. It gives you exercises and activities that dive into really the heart of who you are. Are you tired of clothing that wears down after just a few uses? Well, look no further than Caden Lane's Bamboo Pajamas. With innovative features like roll-down ankles, they're designed to grow with your little one, saving you money on constant replacements. I'm loving these pajamas for my growing four-year-old. Founded in 2005 by a single mom with a vision for better, cuter children's clothing, Caden Lane is dedicated to making moms' lives easier. From their Color Me pajamas that turn bedtime into a fun adventure to outfits with hidden zips and snaps for hassle-free dressing, every detail is crafted with care. And if you're already dreaming of summer days, Caden Lane's swim collection has you covered. Plus, with matching swimsuits for the whole family, you can make a splash in style. Even if you don't have a baby or toddler, these swimsuits make perfect gifts. I'm gifting my sister-in-law matching suits for summer, and I've already received the package, and the quality is wonderful. I can't wait to see how they look at the pool this summer. Caden Lane is your one-stop shop for all your newborn, infant, and toddler apparel. Head to cadenlane.com minimalist and use code minimalist for 20% off your order. Once again, that's C-A-D-E-N-L-A-N-E dot com backslash minimalist for 20% off and make sure you use my promo code minimalist so they know that I sent you. So... The opposite of JOMO is FOMO, the fear of missing Mm -hmm. out. And I would say with a lot of our choices, we can have a tough time saying no because of that fear of possibly missing out. So I don't know if you could speak to this, but why do you think that is? And how can we learn to say no gracefully, even practicing it before these moments arise? We have a hard time saying no because we feel guilty. We feel like we're supposed to be giving. Um, and so that's, that's one of the biggest reasons is, you know, the word yes just slips out of our mouth. <laughs> we don't even realize it's out. Meanwhile, our head is going, no, 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 right? Mm-hmm. We've all done that where we're, we're looking at someone and we're like, yes, I'll do this. And in your head, you're having this whole different conversation saying, you cannot take this on. So I think that that's part of it is the guilt. We also have a hard time of separating the relationship from the request, you know, oh, I hate to say no because this is my friend or I hate to say no because I don't want my boss to think that I'm not a hard worker. And so we have to really reframe the way that we look at those things. 
So one of the things we do walk through in the book is what I call the finding your yes blueprint, because it's not about saying no to everything. It's about finding your yeses. What are the yeses that will really excite you and make you feel good? There's there's times in our lives where we say yes, where it is the most amazing, most incredible word. And that's what I want us to really start doing more, saying yes to those things and then choosing to say no to the rest. So that's right there, that that missing out idea of saying no to the rest is what we really want to lean into. So we go through a blueprint where, you know, we ask the questions about, is this tied to your North Star? Why do you want to take this on? Because it's not enough to have the time. Having the time doesn't mean it needs to be a yes. Having the time just means you have the time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to say yes to it. So I also talk in the book about this idea of having, I like to call it like your little black dress in your closet, your little go-to that makes it easier to say no. Because we've all heard no is a complete sentence, but I don't know about you, but that never feels good to just go no (laughs) and say nothing else. We end up over explaining and over apologizing. And sometimes we end up coming back to saying yes after all. Mm -hmm. So I like to tell people that there's a really simple strategy you can use to make saying no even easier. And I call it the sandwich strategy. So imagine a sandwich, which is essentially two pieces of bread with something in the middle, some kind of filling in the middle. So in the middle is the meat of your message, which is no. But sandwiched on the outside of that no are two pieces of kindness. So for example, let's say someone asks you, to volunteer for a project. You could simply say, thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate that my name is at the top of your list. Unfortunately, I don't have the time to give this project what it deserves. So I really hope that this project moves forward because I think it's a really worthwhile cause. So that's the sandwich strategy. You saw I started with words of kindness. I talked about how honored I was. But there was a solid no there in the middle. I don't have time to do this. And really, I like to say, I don't, I cannot give it the time it deserves is one of my favorite ways to phrase it because it's not about me being busy. It's about, this is something that's important to the person you're speaking to, really acknowledging that and then telling them, this is why I can't do it because I can't give it the time it deserves. And then you sandwich it with one last piece of kindness. And because it's sandwiched on both ends with kindness, It's so much easier for you to swallow. It's so much easier for them to swallow. And it makes it so that we can separate that idea of the relationship from the request. And it makes it easier. So always having that sandwich strategy kind of at the back of your head really makes it easier. The other thing that I like to tell people to do is to, um, when somebody asks you, you know, hey, what what are you doing on Saturday afternoon? Instead of saying, oh, nothing, why? Because then when they say, oh, I need you to man the carnival, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the dunking booth at the carnival for three hours, it's really hard to say no. But instead, if you say, "Uh, I don't know, I'll have to check my calendar first. Why? They'll, They'll tell you what the request is. Again, it's not about having the time. Having the time doesn't mean it needs to be a yes. It's about looking at the opportunity and deciding, does this fit my North Star? Is this fulfilling to me? Is this something I really want to do? Why do I want to do it before you decide whether it's a yes or a no? So really making sure that you're not caught off guard, because I think that's what happens a lot of times where we're, at, you know, at the sidelines at the soccer game or we're, we're walking through the hallways at work and somebody stops us and asks us what we're doing. And we just say nothing. And then we're stuck saying yes. 
mm-hmm. to things we don't really want to say yes to. Mm-hmm. So always having, you know, that, that little black dress of having the, the sandwich strategy ready and asking about the opportunity before you give open access to your calendar. Those are two really simple ways to make saying no easier mm-hmm. and really allowing more space and time for your yeses. It's funny you went into the finding your yes blueprint because that was going to be my mm-hmm. next question for you. But so <laughs> I love that we're on the same track. Yeah, we're right on the same page. But I really like how you lay that out in your book because it actually is a blueprint for people. And I feel like as they're going through that with maybe a few decisions, it's going to start to become intuitive and they're not going to yes. have to necessarily use that. But as they're working through this blueprint system, it is very helpful. I love that you actually have that tangible blueprint there for your readers. Thank you. Yeah. And I actually, it's it's included as a download. There's lots of resources that come along with the book, but that finding your yes blueprint is something you can print out yourself again and again to sit down and work through because you're right. You won't always have to do it, but sometimes opportunities come up and you're like, ah, And especially at at first, when you're first starting to implement that finding your yes blueprint, Mm -hmm. it really does help to sit down and answer the questions, you know, without overthinking, just going with your gut. What, why do you want to take this on? How does this fit your North Star? So what are a couple of habits? You gave us a few with the little black dress sandwiching the kindness with the no. Mm -hmm. Um, But what are a couple of habits we could put into place that would allow us to experience more Jomo in the day to day? So really, the way that habits work is they act as little springboards to help propel us forward. And that's what I love about habits is that once you establish a habit, it's there and you do it without even thinking. It doesn't take any willpower. It doesn't take any discipline. It just happens. And I know the word habit for some people, they feel like, oh, I don't know. Habits are a bad thing. But here's the truth. Duke University found that 40 to 45 percent of our daily actions every single day are actually habits. They're things that we do automatically without thinking. So if we're already doing 40 to 45% of our day without really thinking about it, why don't we intentionally curate habits for ourselves that would make us feel really good? Whether that is my habit is that after I come home from work, I spend 15 minutes sitting on the floor talking with my kids. Or maybe that habit is every day after lunch, I go for a 20 minute walk. You know, what are the things that are meaningful to you that would really fulfill you personally and start filling your day with that? So I walk through, you know, the process of establishing a habit. And at first, it does take a little bit of work to establish a habit. It, ta- it does take some thinking on the front end. But once it's set, then you're doing it automatically. You're taking all of the thinking out of it because then your brain is really free to do all the other big things in your day. So to me, it really is about looking at how you want your ideal day to run and think about which of these things would I want to establish as a habit and then start working through those four steps that I talk about in the book where you articulate and then you identify the cues, you define the behavior, and then you make a plan. And I walk through all of that. Start doing that very intentionally so that then those habits become second nature. And that's really what makes it possible for that ideal day to become your every day. Mm-hmm. I heard on the Before Breakfast podcast with, I think it's Laura Vanderkam. She was just saying how just something as simple as we have gone our whole entire lives with brushing our teeth and we don't realize that's a habit. And it I was is. like, oh yeah, it yeah. totally is. And so I think that when habits can feel daunting or these little things that we feel like we want to implement can feel daunting, we just have to look back to see like, wait, we've cultivated these habits and these are things that just have become a part of who we are. So. Well, 
And that's the thing I think people lose sight of is, is brushing your teeth is a habit. Putting your clothes on in the morning, also a habit. You don't think about how to put your leg into the pants. Mm-hmm. You just do it automatically. You don't think about how to tie your shoes. You put your shoes on and you tie the laces. You don't think twice about it. It just happens. You don't think about what your fingers need to do. So we can actually take those existing habits and stack more habits on top of them. So if you want to floss, you know, at night after you brush your teeth in the morning, Setting your dental floss already cut, ready to go right next to your toothbrush where you're going to see it in the evening to go brush your teeth. And then you can brush your teeth and you have that cue right there of flossing your teeth. Mm -hmm. So establishing habits that are really good and healthy doesn't have to be difficult. We can use what we're already doing as our springboard. Mm -hmm. The habit stacking is, I'm a big proponent of that idea. So. Me too. Yes, absolutely. Well, as we're wrapping up here, I wanted to see if there was anything else that you wanted to share. I love to tell people that, you know, there's it can become overwhelming when you think about what that ideal day looks like, right? And how different maybe it is from your day to day to day. And so don't get caught up in that. Don't think about what's Pinterest worthy or what I need to post on Facebook and what it needs to look like. Think about what's most important to you. And then I would encourage your listeners to do one thing. Start with just one little teeny tiny change that's easy to implement and start there and then build off of that. Don't get overwhelmed by the process. Don't think that, you know, it's so different. It'll never happen for me because it can. And I'm telling you this because I'm on that side where my ideal day is my every day. I'm living a life that I love. And the fact that I can do it, anyone can do it. Quite honestly, it's really not that difficult. It's just a series of intentional steps you go through. And none of it is hard. It's just making that choice to begin. So I would really encourage your listeners, make that choice today. Make that choice to begin right at this very minute. What can you do today that will take you no more than 15 minutes that will bring you happiness. Mm-hmm. What's think, Whether that's thinking through what's a habit I want to start establishing or thinking about what are my mission and vision and core values or, or whatever that is, take just 10, 15 minutes a day and then use that for momentum for tomorrow. Absolutely. Well, as we're wrapping up here, I would love to know, this is something that I ask every guest, what is mm-hmm. something that you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? Oh, I love that. So I've really been simplifying and focusing on the, the meal prep process right now, especially with me, with the book launch going on and everything else. I've really been finding it more difficult. I normally do meal planning on Sundays, and then I go through my week with the meals kind of prepared. But I'm really looking at how I can simplify that even more. So I'm looking at how do I make freezer meals ahead of time? And uh, I just bought a cookbook to make that happen. And I've tapped into a couple of resources and some friends who are helping me really get on that road of making meal prep even easier in this kind of crazy season that I am right now. No, that's a great idea. I just sat down with my husband last night because both of our children have become quite the picky eaters. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, I want to still make sure they're getting nutrients in, but I also want to put things in there that they like. So meal planning is something that I for sure see myself doing for the fall, especially with the third baby. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, I feel like uh, putting dinner on the table is a very delicate dance, (laughs) you know, of nutritious things, but things they'll eat and everyone wants to, you know, you want everybody to be happy. And so it's, it's, it's a challenge for sure. I think it's something that's not unusual for moms to experience. Yeah, absolutely. And then my last question for you is what is something you can't stop talking about? The joy of missing out. (laughs) I'm so excited about this book. I honestly look at it as 
more than a book. It's a movement. And I really want women to feel empowered and excited about their day. So getting this movement going, gathering women together so we can begin to let go of busy and begin to really step into those lives that we truly want. So I'm obsessed right now with um, helping women create book groups so that they can read the book together. There's a discussion guide that comes with the book to help facilitate that. I've got resources because I really want women to come together because when we support each other, when we encourage each other and we lift one another up, we are capable of amazing things. Mm-hmm. So I would say the joy of missing out is what I am all about right now. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the Minimalist Moms podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you again to Tanya for coming on the Minimalist Moms podcast today. What did you think about our interview? Did her message resonate with you? One of the biggest things that we can remember is to slow down and rethink our busy. We need to focus on the things that are priority and choose a life that is centered on those priorities. Embrace the joy of missing out. Have you ever had FOMO? Can you turn it into JOMO? I would like to know. I invite you to keep the conversation going by visiting minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Facebook page, Instagram account, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.